It's time for the Raging Cajun Army, the only place where it's all Cajuns all the time. And now, here's your host, Matt Miguez. of the Raging Cajun Army, Matt Miguez here, and there's a lot of excitement in Lafayette as the Cajuns win a bowl game for the first time since 2014, defeating Miami of Ohio 27-17 to in the Lending Tree Bowl. Jerry Abear is here to break it down with me. Jerry, what's up, man? Oh, I'm, not, I'm doing pretty good. Just trying to get back into the groove now, now that, um, now that the bowl game's over with, now it's time to get back to work and you know, um, living, just continue to live like an adult, I guess. Um, I felt like a kid in a candy store after Monday night and, um, just very excited to go down make that trip down to Mobile with my fellow Cajun fans. And it was a good turnout, good turnout overall. And just glad to be home and, uh, carry this momentum into the off season with this football team. Yeah. So like I said, Cajuns defeated Miami of Ohio 27 to 17, it started off kind of slow. Uh, the first ha- first quarter saw zero scoring out of both teams. But then Louisiana kind of ramped it up a little bit in the second quarter, scoring 10 before halftime. Now, you know, the the way I saw it, and, you know, you, you saw it differently, obviously, being there, and I saw it, you know, from, from the TV perspective. But early on, it looked like Miami of Ohio kind of had the Cajuns number. Yeah, offensively, um, offensively they moved the ball pretty well. I, I, you know, we were in the stands and I noticed that our defense came out playing more of a zone coverage, and it looked like Miami of Ohio they were able to expose that a little bit, especially in the flat. Um, they had a lot of comeback routes. It looked like we're our corners are playing a little deep against the slant. Um, you know, I got to give credit where credits due. I thought, um, I thought Miami of Ohio was a lot more. Uh, better fundamentally sound than I anticipated. Uh, I mean, Brett Gabbard is a is a rising star um, for a freshman quarterback. For those who don't know, it, of course, Blaine Gabbard's little brother. I mean, he played like his brother. He looked he looked great for a, for a freshman quarterback. Um, you know, in such a big limelight, he he did a good job, and he's going to be good at he's going to be good over there. And I thought in the first half we gave them a little too much. Um, they were giving a little too much cushion against the pass. Like I said, they threw on us pretty heavily, and there were a few times they were able to break some runs up the middle. But overall, um, going into the game, they were about 44%, I believe, in the red zone. And, um, you know, one thing one thing that scared me was when they got into the red zone, they scored pretty quickly uh, early in the second quarter, which kind of worried me a little bit because we really couldn't get a drive going. But uh, I think once our offense kind of settled down, I thought we were able to do a good job uh, sustaining some drives and kind of getting to that that sort of groove that we usually get in offensively where we start establishing the run game. And, um, you know, Levi was able to get some nice passes off as well. And, you know, we had a lot of receivers get get their fair share of touches. So, you know, it was early, early on it was a little scary. It was a little scary at first for sure. Yeah, you know, Jalen Bester had that <laughs> touchdown early in the second quarter 
to get Miami out to a quick seven nothing lead. I thought Dester had a good game overall. You know, he he ran the ball well against our defense, fifty two yards on the ground with two touchdowns. And you know, a- after that, the occasions kind of seemed to wake up a little bit. You know, they had the uh, Steve Yartik had the field goal responding a few minutes later, and then Elijah Mitchell scored right before the half to make it 10-7 at halftime. But then Louisiana came out in the second half, and, and Levi Lewis kind of said that, that he was going to take over the show a little bit. Uh, he finds Jamarcus Bradley for that nine-yard touchdown in the back of the end zone. Jerry, what, what did you think of Levi's performance as a whole? You know, 250 yards, two touchdowns, uh, and only... I don't want to be wrong here. Only seven incompletions. <laughs> um, outside of his performance against Coastal uh, a few months ago, this was probably his best performance in a Cajuns uniform since he's been enrolled at the university in his three years here. Um, I thought he looked like a stud. I thought he looked he looked poised. He was quick on his decision making. He looked sharp. That's the best way I could I could describe it. He looked sharp uh, again. Best performance he's put on. And, and probably ever. I think this is this might be even greater than his performance against Coastal, judging by the circumstances. Um, I thought he took charge. I thought he was great as a field general. I thought, again, his decision-making was very quick and snappy, which I, I mean, you know, all year long, you know, sometimes we'd say he, he would, he would kind of hesitate a little too much. Not the other night. Uh, very quick on his throws, very quick on whether or not he wanted to run. Didn't really hesitate too much in the backfield. Um, and one thing that he did, one thing that he did that really stuck out to me was that he, he, you know, earlier in the season, the my biggest criticism of Levi was that sometimes he was too afraid to take a hit. You know, he'd kind of run out of bounds. He would kind of tippy-toe around to try to, you know, when he'd scramble. He lowered his shoulder a few times the other night, and he took some hits, and he got right back up, went back to the huddle. If we can see that next season, he's going to be dangerous. And... You know, it's been a pleasure watching Levi evolve this year. Um, what we saw against Mississippi State is nowhere near what we saw the other night against Miami, Ohio. It was such a pleasure watching Levi evolve, and um, it just couldn't have happened to to a better player, a better kid. And um, I'm just very happy for him and the way he performed, and he earned, easily earned that that offensive uh, game MVP award for sure. Yeah, no, without question, and. You know what? What I found interesting for for Levi was not only was he such a great passer, he was the team's leading rusher. Eight carries, sixty-two yards. Not a whole lot. Not something we've seen a whole lot out of Levi this year. Do Do you think that Billy Napier kind of gave him the green light to run the ball? Do you think that was kind of more his decision making? I think I just I just think it's a few things combined. I think it's 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 Levi finally getting more comfortable running. I think it's Levi getting just more experience. I think it's uh, having a month to prepare to watch film to study the mannerisms of what Miami Ohio's defense had, uh, did or have done all season long going into this game. And I just think it's Levi maturing overall. Um, again, you know, you compare his performances against Mississippi State and Liberty and compare it to the other night. It's night and day. And that's mainly because I thought, again, he evolved as the year went on. He got better in his decision-making. He got better in his his passing game. I mean, his passing game was outstanding the other night. He made that throw to Jamarcus Bradley on a rollout. He was scrambling towards the sideline, made that throw back in towards the seam to Jamarcus in the back of the end zone. I mean, that's that's an, I mean, that's a pro, that's what pro quarterbacks do, you know? 
And I mean, just to see him make those throws and just zip it in there, his his arm has gotten a lot better over the past month or so, the past three or four games. And it just all kind of came full circle the other night. And, um, you know, again, if 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 we see the, the beauty of Levi Lewis is that he's not going to have to evolve against starting against McNeese next year. What we saw the other night, I think, is going to be his starting point against McNeese come come September 2020. So if we were able to see that, you know, from the first game on, from what we saw the other night, you're looking at an all-conference quarterback next year. And on top of that, a field general that can lead this team to some to, to bigger and greater things that we saw this year. I, I'm very, very – I was very impressed with, with Levi. And, you know, we're talk, talking about impressive performances. Jamarcus Bradley – had a great game for his last one in Vermillion and White, seven what catches, eight yards, man. and two touchdowns. But, you know, talking about great receivers, let's look at Miami of Ohio. Jack Sorensen, 10 yep. catches, 107 yards. He was sort of the go-to guy going into the uh, going into the bowl game. He was their leading receiver going in, and it showed the other night. Um, caught some beautiful passes. He was able to get open a lot of times in the flat, did a great job creating separation. I mean, their receiving core was pretty good. Um, I was actually surprised, but again, I thought Brett Gabbard had a, I mean, he had a great arm. Brett, Brett's a field general on that team. And he's, again, he's got a bright future ahead of him, but no, Jack Sorensen was, <laughs> it was hard to stop him. It was kind of frustrating at times because he converted a few third downs, especially like, like right at the first down line. So he's one of the, he was one of those receivers. You just pull your hair out. Cause you know, he's at the right place at the right time. And it just, they're able to extend drives. So as a Cajuns fan, it was kind of frustrating to see. But um, yeah, Jack Sorensen, there's a reason why he was the leading receiver coming into this bowl game, and it showed the other night. Yeah, I, I think the MVP of the game as a whole had to be the Louisiana defense. You know, Tariq Miller had eight tackles. Eric Garrett had seven playing in his playing in his hometown. Farad Gardner had six. Zion Hill had six and half a sack. Jaquette had five. Dylan had five and a sack. Moncrief had five and a sack and a half. Yeah. Like, there, you can go, I can continue going down the list, but, you know, the, the, the point of my, my statement is that everybody on the, on the Louisiana defense really seemed to, to show out Monday night in the bowl game. And the, the, the high point, in my opinion, of all of this is if you look at who really showed out, there's a lot of young guys. I mean, Zion Hill, Joe Dillon, Chris Moncrief. All these guys are going to be back next year. What's interesting is that going into this year, um, Billy Napier specifically said he's going to play a lot of guys on defense. Uh, there were some games where he rotated – close to 30 different players, mostly freshmen and sophomores in some of these games. And that's what gets me excited about next season, because now, you know, he's playing with a lot of guys who, especially underclassmen who have experience and who have made an impact, who have made a difference in games, who have made big plays and stepped up and, you know, forced turnovers, uh, made tackles for losses and, you know, uh, intercepted passes, sacked quarterbacks, you know, not necessarily the, the Joe Dillons and Chauncey Manax or, 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 the um, or the Michael Jacquets of, of, of the world, but you know, younger guys, younger guys making plays that 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 you some some guys you've never heard of before, you know, um, guys like Braylon Trohal, 
you know, he he's he was a huge factor in this this year's defense. I was very impressed with the way he played. A lot of guys that you know walked on and earned scholarships, um, and that's going to be huge coming into this next year because again, they're getting experience. Uh, one guy that really just kind of surprised me, and I, I keep forgetting how to pronounce his last name. Um, uh, Cam, what is it? Cam Pettisclo. Pettisclo. Yeah. Look, I mean, he was he was all over the ball all season long. I didn't even know who the guy was going into this year, and he made a big difference. Um, you know, having a guy like, I mean, another another good example would be Patrick Mensa getting some play time this year. Um, you know, getting in the game and being able to to create a little bit of a difference. Um, AJ Washington. AJ Washington, he had a few interceptions this year. I mean, just guys that you you never you're not really familiar with per se, but made an impact in in different games. Andre Jones, another one. He's going to be huge next year. So yep. you got a bunch of guys that you know you didn't really you weren't familiar with them going into the season, but now you know their names, and you add that and top top that off with the new recruits coming in. A lot of the skill guys, especially in the corners and the secondary, coming in next season that are going to get some play time. That's going to be big. And I think that's only that the defense is as good as the defense played this year. It's only going to get better um, come come early uh, September against McNeese. Yeah, absolutely. Louisiana finishes the 2019 season at 11 and three best record in school history. And it was the first bowl win not in the state of Louisiana since 1945. Oil Bowl. Yep. In Houston. Miami Mac champions finished the season eight and six. Now, Jerry, let, let's transfer over to basketball. You know, Monday night, the, the men played as well on the basketball court. They were up in Boone, North Carolina to play App State. And, you know, early on, that game looked like, you know, App State was going to run away with it. At one point, they were up 15. But then, you know, there were, there were a couple of players that kind of, Kind of got into it for Louisiana. They kind of started showing. They kind of start scoring a little bit. You know, moving the ball around well. And next thing you know, Louisiana runs away with an eighteen point victory, an eight point victory. My apologies. Yeah, I um, I, we were following the score while we were watching the game, um, or the bowl game. I was following the score on my phone, and at one point we were down by as much as fifteen. And I'm just like, oh geez, here we go. You know, because as, as you recall last year both losses to App State were by double digits and yeah. um, including a 27 point loss on the road and boom. So I'm thinking, Oh man, here we go. Here comes the route. Well, before you know it, we cut the lead to eight and we cut the lead to four and we cut the lead to two. And then before you know it, we have the lead. And then I check my phone and we're up by six with like three minutes to go. And then we're up by 10 with like, you know, I don't know, two minutes left. I'm like, Wow, this is amazing! How did how did we pull this off? And I believe I want to say Coach Marlin at one point only played like six guys, and he was able yeah. to put in. Eventually, he was able to put in uh, Mason Oakcoin as well as um, uh, Williams um, for like maybe the last few minutes of the game. But yeah, Jalen Williams for the last few minutes of the game. But he 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 played mostly six guys. And Malik Wilson, man, I mean Malik Wilson put the team on his back. Um, I mean, what what more can you say? Forty minutes. Uh, uh, 30 points, nine rebounds, three assists. I mean, that that to me, you, right steals. now with the circumstances of what's going on with the injuries and whatnot and, and just the turmoil within within the roster because of these injuries and having to rotate guys and trying to decide what to do with the packages as far as where to put players, 
This is where you need guys like Malik Wilson and Cedric Russell to step up. And both guys got 40 minutes of, of play time. And with Malik Wilson's 30 points and just his performance, it really went a long way for this team to get this really, really tough, hard-earned win on the road in Boone. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Jalen Wilson added 13 and 10. Calvin Temple poured in 12. Duguay had a solid 15 points and seven rebounds. But, you, you know, Jerry, the this is where the injuries that the Cajuns have faced this year are kind of going to come to fruition. Yes. Because you can't have two starters play 40 minutes. Yeah, no, you're right. I, and this is where it kind of makes me wonder. Especially um, because as you get later into the year, those guys are going to wear out and wear out, and then they're going to get hurt, and then – you know, you're you're in even a worse position than you originally started. Yeah, and I'm kind of curious now because um, now you've got the two Georgia schools on the road between Georgia State, Georgia Southern, two teams that are really, really good, and it, it's just hard to win over there in general. I mean, we rarely win um, at Georgia State. We, I know we got a close win at Georgia Southern last year, but just two really hard places to win at with a, with a roster that's pretty depleted. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I think this weekend, you know, this team will be able to compete. But like you said, what about the next week and the next week after that? You know, once you start playing ULM, you start playing Coastal Carolina, you start playing UT Arlington, Texas State, you know, is this roster going to be able to hold? I don't know. What I do know is that I hope that um, the more the more Coach Marlin rotates a lot of these guys and gives these guys play time, that they'll be able to get experience and be able to rotate in and out rather than having to depend on two of your starters playing 40 full minutes. Um, again, I go back to it, you know, uh, guys like Spincoop, Christian Lafayette, you know, I, I would hope they would get enough play time to be able to give these other guys a rest because of the where fact, again, you, where have either one of them been? I don't know. I, I don't think Christian Lafayette's played a game in like three games or something like that. I think the last time he played was against UC Santa Barbara. I don't know if he's even gotten play time against neither either uh, South Al or Troy or App State. So he didn't play against App State and neither did Spincoop. Well, then, and that's the thing. You need these guys to play these games with the roster that we have right now because, again, like you said, and I agree with you 100%, these guys like Malik Wilson and, and Cedric Russell, as good as they are, they're not going to be able to play a full 40 minutes for the next you know, 20 or so games that we have or 10, 10 to 15 games that we have down the road or down the stretch. Um, the schedule's only going to get tougher. It's only going to get more intense. You know, you've got two or three games at a time. Like this week alone, you've got – I want to say, no, in the next two weeks, you've got, what, five games, four or five games. So, yeah, you know, they're going to have to rotate. They're, they're, gonna have, they're not going to have a choice. They're going to have to rotate some of these guys. But um, overall, though, these last two games, I've been very impressed by the way that they've been able to fight. They haven't given up. They haven't quit. And, you know, there's really nothing more to say than just, you know, job well done with this coaching staff and what this team has been able to do, judging by the circumstances that they've been facing. So, yeah, and, you know, the – there, there kind of seems to be some momentum building up around Bob Marlin and the men's program, especially, you know, as, as winning comes along. Obviously, the more you win, the more you're going to be able to build build that momentum. You know, let, let's flip to the girls. You know, they, had, they just had their trip to Georgia Thursday and Saturday, splitting the trip, winning over Georgia State on Thursday before falling to Georgia Southern in Statesboro on Saturday. But now, you know, the, the girls are home for the Thursday night contest against South Al tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. And then they go on the road to Troy 
on Saturday. But you know, Gary Broadhead's got had he's got the women kind of on a on a roll. They're eight and five so far on the year, which is already beaten their win total from last year. But they they've kind of seemed to fall off after that after that big win over over Ole Miss going one and two over the last three games. Is there something going on with the women's program in your opinion, or is it just kind of, you know, that, that early conference slump? Inconsistency. I think it's a little bit of inconsistency. I never, I didn't get the chance to really listen to the game. I was looking at some of the score, the scoring and some of the updates on Twitter, but you know, like the game against Jackson state, you just got a big win against Ole Miss and then you drop a game to Jackson state. You know, you can't you can't do that if you want to improve as a team. Um, I thought that they just came out flat. They were able to outscore them, I believe. The Cajuns were able to outscore Jackson State in like the third quarter, something like 27 to 14. But they still lost the game because they were playing catch up for most of the second half. So to me, um, you just have to be, they just have to be more consistent. Uh, I'm, you know, from what I've seen, just, you know, better shot selection, just continuing to play defense, being able to rebound under the basket. I mean, that was one of their weaknesses against Mississippi State. Now, granted, it's Mississippi State from the game I went to see, but Coach Broadhead will say at best, it's just consistency, just staying consistent and keep grinding. Because um, now, like I said, just like men's basketball, it's not going to get any easier in this conference. Yeah, you know that that that's the thing. You know, especially on on the girls' side, Troy's always been a dominant force. You know, Texas State, ULM's always had a good program. Little Rock. Sure. Even the Georgia schools have good programs on the women's side, so sure. you know, definitely definitely doesn't get any easier down the stretch for for Gary Broadhead and company. But you know, quickly before we wrap up, I actually want to transition right back over to the men's side of things. And you know, we talked about the injuries, we talked about the players that are having to play a full forty minutes. Guys, guys like Cedric Russell and Malik Wilson. <laughs> But then again, we talked about how, you know, there's guys that are healthy that aren't getting play t- playing time, like Christian Lafayette. You can look at sure. Mason Oquan not getting a whole lot of time. Chris Spinku. You know, in, in, in my mind, and correct me if I'm wrong, even if those guys are weaker compared to the rest of your roster, wouldn't you want to get those guys in even for five more minutes a game just to give Malik and Cedric a rest? Ideally, of course. Um, but I just, I, I don't know. I don't mean to say it like this, and it might sound wrong, but I don't know if Christian Lafayette or, or, or Spinku are good enough right now to sub in. I mean, Christian Lafayette went in against UC Santa Barbara, gave up three 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 scores under the basket on defense. Um, I just, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they might be hurt, and we don't know about it. But I think with the roster that the team has right now, you would hope that you would let more guys play to give guys like Cedric Russell and Malik Wilson a break. Um, but I just, I don't know if, I don't know if they're fitting the mold right now to be able to get on the court. And obviously if that's the case, that's never a good thing, but you know, I'm not the coaching staff. I don't really, I don't, I don't evaluate this team every day uh, as far as what I see at practice and what they, what they report or what's going on in the locker room. But yeah, I mean, ideally you want, you want, more guys to rotate in. You want guys with more experience just to get more experience. Um, you know, this is a young team. We said that before the season, this is a very young team. It's a very new team. And, you know, unfortunately with this young, new young team, they they're dealing with injuries. So you're going to have to have guys like Mason Oquine who don't usually play as much 
see the court and step up. Um, but I would hope that, you know, guys like Lafayette and Spinku could get more play time, just not by experience, but to be able to fill that void to give guys like Cedric Russell or um, or uh, Malik Wilson more of a rest. So I'm not sure. I, I would I would hope so. I would hope they they play him a little bit more just by just by experience. It's in in itself outside of just uh, giving these other guys some some uh, some time to just kind of rest and take a breather. Yeah, you know that that that's my thinking. Even like I, like I said, even if it's just five minutes, just to give, uh, you know, guys like Malik Wilson, you know, a shot of water or whatever it may be. Sure, get a get a rub down from the team doctors. Just you know, some kind of break for for his not only for his physical well being, but you know, mentally playing forty minutes in a basketball game has to just drain the life out of you. Well, it's, it's, and it's going to get, I mean, it's going to get worse as the season goes on, you know, playing more games, playing more intense games. Um, you know, the usual Sunbelt schedule, you play two to three games a week and then you still have a good, what's there, seven to nine. I mean, you're, you're just about halfway through the season or a little bit over halfway through the season. So it's not going to get easier. And so I think right now it, it's, it's good that we're able to sort of find some chemistry and get this little win streak going. At the same time, you hope that it doesn't catch up with you, especially towards the, those last that last quarter of the of the season where you start you start worrying about where you're going to be placed in the tournament, where you're going to finish, what are you playing for? You know, that's where it gets a little tough. So hopefully, hopefully the younger guys can step up. Hopefully, Coach Marlin can find a place for these other, some of these other guys to sub in, get some reps. But in the meantime, you know, I'm happy for this team to to be able to grind the way they have these past two games. At the same time. Um, you know, I, I think that injury bug might catch up with them a little bit, but we'll see, you know, we'll see come this weekend with these two games in Georgia, how this team handles that, that adversity for sure. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Georgia state, you know, very quickly before we wrap up here, Jerry, they're averaging 79.4 points a game. Yeah. Uh, it's safe to say Ron Hunter kind of left that, uh, left their cupboard pretty full. Um, <laughs> They, they have a tradition over there. They have a really good program over there. Um, it's never easy to win over there, and uh, it's kind of surprising that they they blew that game against. They've they've lost the last two against Coastal and Arkansas State. So you know they're going to be coming for blood tomorrow against us of all teams. Um, they've lost two games, the last two games by a combined total of five points. So hopefully, uh, the Cajuns can continue that losing streak. But you know, coming <laughs> having to go to Having to go to Atlanta, it's gonna be it's gonna be really really tough. Yeah, definitely. Tip off for the men's basketball team against Georgia State tomorrow at six o'clock. The women will host South Alabama in the Cajun Dome at six o'clock as well. You can catch both of those games on ESPN Plus. Jerry, appreciate you coming on as always. We'll talk next week. We'll start previewing baseball and softball as well as continuing on with the basketball programs. Actually, uh, if you don't mind, I want to do a segment. I know we're supposed to wrap this up right now, but I have to give a shout out, man, to the fans that showed up in Mobile the other night. Um, you know, all month long, people were saying that, well, it's gonna, it's a Monday night. It's an awkward time. It's a bad time to play a bowl game. But even then, um, when we showed up to the game, we went to the stadium. I couldn't tell you how impressed I was with the actual turnout. I was impressed by the number of Cajun fans that made the trip that went down, you know, whether they left on Friday, Saturday, Sunday or even like us on Monday, I was very pleased with the turnout. They were loud. They were into the game. 
Um, it, I mean, I don't know about you, but I heard that you can hear the crowd on TV. Um, no, you definitely could. Yeah, yeah. So job well done by the Cajun Nation to show up. Uh, we probably had around somewhere between four and 5,000 fans, I would say, ideally, maybe. About, yeah, about four to 5,000 fans. And um, we were into it. And, um, you know, it's nice to... It's nice to end this season on with a bowl victory. We're very everybody's very excited right now. But I will say this, and this is, I, I, I just I have to share this with you as well as uh, all of Cajun Nation listening in. If you know, I've always said being big time costs money. Uh, everything going on right now, it's nice to be in big in big in the big time talk. You know, it's nice, but it's not nice, right? It's catch twenty two with Coach, you know, Billy Napier being in talks of. Um, having interest, seek, uh, getting interest from other jobs and other other schools that are showing interest in him. Um, and thankfully, he, as of right now, he's not going anywhere. And I don't I don't think he's going anywhere. So that's nice. But, you know, this is where I think Cajun Nation needs to step up and not in a I'm not saying that to be to be mean, but I say that in a way where, you know, if you're giving 10 bucks to RCAF, give 20, you're giving 100 bucks, give 200 bucks, you know, you're giving 500 bucks, give 600 bucks, you know, all of that money to RCAF is important because that's the type. That's what we need to do to promote athletics. You got, it's an investment, but at the end of the day, that investment goes to the student athletes. That goes to recruiting budgets. It goes to coaches' salaries. That's what allows guys like Billy Napier to be able to stay put a little bit longer rather than go to a bigger school. Um, and then also too, with the way that we finished the season with an eleven and three record, a bowl victory possibly, you know, a top 30 ranking time to, for those of you who are still on the fence about this team. I know we were sort of in a wait and see game for a lot of our fans these past two seasons. If this year didn't impress you, I really don't know what will buy season tickets, you know, buy season tickets. There's ticket packages, ticket deals going on till through March for next football season. The first two games are actually home games. The opening game is against Magnese followed by a good G five school in Wyoming and then plus conference Buy season tickets, support this team. This team is legit. They're a good football team. Um, anytime you win 11 games in the regular season, it's pretty pretty doggone impressive. So to all the Cajun Nation out there, if you are not, if you don't give to RCAF, donate a little bit of money to RCAF. Become an investor for this athletic program. Buy season tickets. Support the team. And last but not least, if you... If you're in the street and you're and you're a diehard Cajun fan, spread the word. Talk UL sports with people. Talk Raging Cajun athletics. Get them on board. Get them to donate. Get them to buy season tickets. This is a community of we're, we're real close. We're a real close knit group. There's no reason why we can't get this momentum going right now with what this football team accomplished. And then next month, you've got Diamond Sports. So like you said, Matt, we're going to be talking about with softball and baseball, two teams that are ranked in the preseason top 25 poll. Yesterday, Hayden Cantrell came out as a preseason All-American. You know, we've got momentum going into the springtime outside of what's going to happen in the fall next year. So just get invested, get, you know, donate your money, continue supporting this, these basketball programs right now. You know, they're, they're, they're grinding. Um, and, and just continue to support Rage Occasion Athletics, whether it's through RCAF or, or through buying season tickets. Like Lee, like Lee had said in our last, in our uh, podcast episode, a few uh, about a month ago, a few weeks ago, you know, if you have any questions, call them, get in touch with RCAF, do what you can to donate and contribute because right now it's time to take this program to a higher level. So just wanted to give my two cents on that, Matt. And uh, as always, thanks for having me on. And, um, yeah, man, I'm excited. We have momentum right now. Time to roll with it. 
Yeah, no, no doubt. You know, everything you said is kind of, is kind of right on par with, with the way everybody should feel. You know, give if you can, and because obviously, like you said, money is the only way the program's going to grow. Yep, exactly. You know, like I said, um, you know, as a fan base, there's times where you know we'll hear stuff. Well, it, t- it costs money to park, and I got to buy this and that. You know that that money that money's not just being being put in some pot where the administration just goes and spends it on a party. You know that money that you spend, whether it's the park or, or paying the park or buying a pass or buying your ticket, that money goes back into the university's athletic program. It goes back, like I said, coaches' salaries. It goes into facilities. It goes in for the to the student athletes. Um, well, 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 no, Jerry, don't don't you know that the students pay all that in tuition? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. What's funny is um, where I want to say the state of Louisiana is the only state that doesn't allow student athletic fees. So, (laughs) I mean, I mean, the fact that we've been able to do what we've done without that little tidbit is borderline miracle. Okay. Um, So and then on top of that, you know, we're not in a P5 conference where you get a guaranteed, you know, 20 million or more just because you get your your generic TV contract. You know, we don't get that luxury. So sometimes this is more of a grassroots effort. Um, it's like I was telling Lee and Hans when we were talking about RCAF um, in this community where it's it's almost like you have to run a political rally when you're trying to raise money. People here are not all about just social media. Uh, you got to go into the community and shake hands, smile, present yourself in a way that represents this university and this in this culture and this community. And so to me, I, that's what I ask of people, uh, of fans. If you want to spread the Raging Cajun brand name, wear your Raging Cajun gear. I can't tell you the number of people when we stayed at the Beau Rivage the other night uh, wearing our Raging Cajun gear, people on the elevator, people in the restaurant. Oh, Raging Cajuns. Oh, yeah, we saw you all on TV. Oh, are you going to the game tonight? I mean, so many people stopped us because I don't know what it is about our, our, our name, but people just it's something that's attractive to them, you know. So continue to wear your, your gear. Donate to RCAF, buy season tickets, just continue supporting this program because, you know, the, I think the best is yet to come. Very excited. Very, very excited. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Cajun Nation, as always, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Raging Cajun Army. And like I said earlier, we'll talk next week about the baseball and softball previews and continue rolling with men's and women's basketball. Until next week, we'll talk to you soon. Go Cajuns.